0: This morning, we're going to go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we'll start reading in verse 9. Romans chapter 12, and and really and truly, um, this is something that you'll hear more about later. Um, I wanted to throw this out there and kind of get your mind going that direction, so the next time you see me, this is probably where we'll start off. And this is really a place to start a great series. Um, But today, we're just going to kind of give it an overview I don't know how far I'll get into this because none of these deserve to be skipped over or rushed through. Um, so we're going to talk about, if you're taking notes, a great title would be Marks of a True Christian. Marks of a True Christian. And we're going to talk about some of the things that you can see um, in, or should be able to see in Christian people. Um, and if you are a true Christian, these will be the things that highlight who you are. Um, These will be some characteristics and attributes that that true Christians will carry with them everywhere that they go. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not... Be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father and our God, we do humble ourselves before you again to say thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your house this morning. Father, right now I thank you for the opportunity to be preaching your word, to be sharing what you've given me with your family. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I, I pray, Father, for your guidance and direction. I pray that you would hide myself, me, behind the cross, Father, that only your opinions and your thoughts would be what comes out. Father, right now, we ask that you be with um, Brother Kevin and, and chastity. We ask that you would just continue to um, heal Miss Chastity, Father, recovering from this surgery, that you would ease her pain and give her a peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, the marks of a true Christian. This is the things that we should see. I should be able to look into this word as a mirror, right? That's what it's for. It's self-evaluation. And I should be able to read something like this that says marks of a true Christian and look at what I see and don't see in this mirror. In other words, I should be able to look at this Word and compare it to me and see what I need to do to become what it says, not what I need to do to make it become what I am. Right? I don't ever want to twist the Word to match who I am. I want to change me to match this Word. So this is a mirror that we're going to look into to see where I stand personally, to self-evaluate and see where I stand in Christianity. Because this is a list that Paul has given to the Romans that says, if you are a true Christian, a true follower of Christ, these are the things that will be seen in you. These are the things that will be displayed by you. Now this is not, an all. I mean this list isn't complete. There's some other things that could be added to this list and this isn't the only place to find these lists in the Bible. There's other places in Scripture where we're told, this is what Christianity looks like. This is what a true Christian looks like. This is what genuine faith looks like. And we should be constantly seeking to find these places to read in Scripture so that we can use it like a mirror and see where we stand. Because time and time and time and time again, we come in and out the doors and listen to to some great preaching when Kevin's preaching, some not-too-bad preaching when it's me, and we leave out in the exact same condition that we came in. Nothing changes. One definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. So if you continue to do the same thing over and over, expecting to see something different, you're crazy. (laughs) Something has to be different. Something has to change if you want a different result. I want to break it down even, even more simple for you. If I go to the store and I buy me a cake mix, and all I can think about is this chocolate cake I'm fixing to eat. And I got chocolate cake on the brain all the way from Walmart to the house and I get home and I take my white cake mix and I follow all the instructions and I put it in the oven. It's going to come out a white cake. And I go, dog it, I wanted chocolate cake, Ronnie. I didn't even want white cake. So I go back to the store and I get me another white cake mix and I come back home and I follow all the instructions to the T and I put it in the oven. It's going to come out. If I keep doing that, I'm crazy, right? If I want a different result, something's got to change in the process, right? So for those of us to keep coming in here day after, week after week, time after time, year after year, wanting something different out of life, but we never change anything, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. The only way you're going to get a different result is to put something different in the recipe. So when we go through these things like this and we look at things like this in Scripture that says this is the marks of a true Christian and you see something that doesn't match up to who you are, you've got to make a change. You've got to change. You've got to acknowledge that a change needs to take place then you've got to take the proper steps to make that change. This first one on this list right here, y'all have heard a thousand times if you've been coming to this church any time at all. This subject is a subject we've talked about over and over and over and over. But I'm going to do it again today. And I'm going to do it in depth. Because for some reason, we continue to come in and go out and nothing changes. And we all look around going, what happened? Ain't nothing changed. And I'm looking back at you going, are you crazy? Because you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. That's insanity. Don't do that. Do something different. Try something new. Try something you haven't done before. Otherwise, you're crazy. The first mark on this list is not first by coincidence. The first mark of a true Christian listed in this, in this list of marks is not first Just cause. It's not a random order. It's first because it's the most important. And the most important mark of a true Christian, look at this. Let love be genuine. You do know and understand that this love is a word agape. That's a different kind of love. See, in the English language, and y'all have heard all this a thousand times, but it's all I got. You're going to keep getting it till you do something different. In the English language, whoever translated and came up with the English language was lazy in a lot of areas. Lazy. And one of those areas is the word love. Let me show you what I mean. I love my wife. I love Jesus. I love my daughter. I love God. I love my dog. I love ice cream. I love church. Do you see? Now, do I love my wife the same way I love my dog? I hope not. Because then you can look back up here and go, because you crazy. Right? Do I love my wife the way I love ice cream? I hope not. Do I love... G Ronnie... I love Jesus. So this word love, obviously, in the English language, means more than one thing, right? That's true. There's actually three words, and I'm not going to try to come up with all of them, because I've been studying agape. That's the one we've got in front of us today. And this agape love is the same love that God uses to love us. I don't know if you've seen that love before or not, but His Son died to show you that love. That's the kind of love it is. And we get a very clear description of that love from Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. This is something you're all familiar with. This ain't the first time you've seen it. But this is the love we're talking about. And it said, let love be genuine, right? This is genuine, agape love. This description right here. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in my opinion, this is Nick's humble opinion, here's your key. Love never ends. So what's the number one best way to know if what I have between me and my wife is love? If it ends, what happens? It wasn't ever there, right? Because according to this, love never fails. Love never ends. This description of love is something that you and I as Christians, Lord, help me. I'm out of practice. Y'all give me a break. This description of love is something that we should have memorized in our hearts and know. Because look at all the times that you and I are instructed to love. First of all, who are we instructed to love? Well, you can start with spouse, in, in, in uh, Ephesians 5:25, you can go over to 1 John 4:7 and see we're instructed to love one another. We're instructed to love our neighbors. We're instructed to love our brothers, right? We are even even told to love our enemies. The first mark of a true Christian, let love be genuine. How are you on your meter of ability to love? Because see, if you ask me that question, and this is how this came about, this is what I asked, this is, I guess God asked me, the Spirit asked me, I asked myself, however you want to view all that, I know that it was God pricking my heart. And I had to ask myself, Where do you stand? If if we built a flow chart and it included this list, where are you? So the first thing I had to do was self-evaluate how well do I love. And at first I thought, boy, I'm pretty good at that one because I've been preaching it a while and I've been hearing it a while and I've been practicing a while. So I started me a list of people that God tells me to love and I started with my spouse. Well, I started with God. How well do I love God? And I thought, well, I'm I'm pretty good at that. I mean, I I mean I love God. I desire God more than I desire anything in this world. And he goes, Oh, really? Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. And he said, Well, let's talk about something else for a minute. We'll get back to that. I said, Well, I, I love my spouse. I mean, I love my wife. I mean, I love my wife more than I love anything on this earth, and that's the truth. Then he gave me a little ding for a check mark. And so what, what about what about your brothers, your, your brothers in Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ? How well do you love them? And I started closing my eyes and looking for some of y'all's face, and I went, yep, nope, yep, nope, yep. <laughs> I went, okay, I'm not good at that. Let's go do something else. No, that's not true. That's not how that went at all. I did start to think about people that I serve alongside of, and, and the way that, I, and I thought, yeah, I, I mean, I, in general, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good. I, I love, I do, I go out of my way to... To show love as best that I know how. Kind of got a little ding and went to the next one. And and the next one that came to my mind was um, your neighbor. Just general people. Just being out in public. And I thought, yeah, okay, I'll be honest, no. (laughs) You know, like the people when you're going down the interstate. I mean, you want to let her eat, get the ears peeled back, right? I'm in high gear, then shoved it over twice to make sure it's all the way in high G. And I, and I mean, I'm laid in on a skinny pedal on the right. And then all of a sudden, there's five cars stacked up behind two big trucks held up by one SUV. My love just flew out the window at 85. <laughs> What's wrong with you people, idiots? Right? So my love your neighbor thing, I kind of failed on. And then I I just went on. God said, okay, we'll just keep moving on because I can see you're not going to do well with this one. (laughs) What about your enemies? How well do you love your enemies? And I just sat in silence, to be honest with you. During this time of prayer, this time of study, this time of reflection and meditation, I just sat in silence, ashamed. Because the true mark of a Christian, number one on the list, is to let love be genuine. And as I said in Self-Reflect, I can honestly tell you I fail. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll just to justify where I'm at, I'm better than I've ever been. <laughs> but man, I ain't nowhere near what the requirement of Scripture is. And I want to show you something that really God showed me, that, and I knew it was there, and you know it's there, and this isn't some big secret Scripture that nobody knows it exists. But, but when I read it and God spoke to me through it, it hurt me, to be honest with you. It, it shamed me because I'm sitting here studying a list of things that are the mark of a true Christian and I'm on number one, let love be genuine. And I'm not getting very far. I'm not doing very good in my self-reflection Now remember, to hear all this and to take all this in and then to walk out and let everything remain the way it is is not good. So I've had to develop some things for me to help me get better at the things that I lack at because I can't change this to fit who I am. I've got to change who I am to fit this. I highly encourage you to do that as we go through this thing so that you can proudly walk and stand in front of God with your chest poked out and your head held high, knowing that He's proud of who you are. See, this is how we find that out. So We find places like this in Scripture and see how we measure up. Now, I want to show you this Scripture that really, that really—First uh, John 4:20—that really, really hit me. I skipped a few, uh, Riley. I'm sorry. Now, I want you to look at this and think about what this says. Now, we just went over the list of who all we're supposed to love, and and Lee really summed it up best when she said everybody. But we can can define that through Scripture by, by going through the list. And then we get this right here. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now what part of that statement, do you? in order for them to be a liar, a part of the statement has to be false, right? So if they say, I love God and hate my brother, he is a liar. What part of that is not true? The part that he hates his brother? Now that's probably true, ain't it? What part makes it false? The part where you say you love God. Now think about that. Now I just sat here and told you, that I I feel pretty good about the way I love God and how much I desire God. But then I turn around and told you that going down the interstate, I lose my love for people because they don't drive the way I think they should. You know what that makes me? I'm just going to go and be honest with you, that stinks. (laughs) When that reality really soaks in, when you really get the grasp of what this is saying, I'm going to be honest with you, it hurts. It hurts. It's shameful. Now, read the rest of this. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. If I can't learn to develop a love for things or people that are tangible, no matter, it doesn't say that act a certain way, does it? It doesn't give a stipulation on what their responsibility in me loving them is, does it? Remember, I'm even told to love my enemies. So this isn't about how somebody else acts. This solely rests on me and how I treat and respond to people. And if I hate my brother, if I don't love my brother, then I don't love God. It's not possible. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God. You can't do it. It's not possible. It's not possible for you to do that. Now, it's easy to get into a study like this and hear those things and begin to get this, what I call, and y'all excuse me, a hippie mentality. Where it's all about peace, love, and funny cigarettes. Where, you know, we're just supposed to be as Christians, we just laid back and love everybody and, and peace and all. You know what I'm saying? That's not what this says. That's not how this works. And I can prove you that, prove that to you if you'll just drop down to Romans chapter 12, verse 18. I can show you that this is not about just kicking back and loving everything in the world and just letting it all pass by. That's not what this is. This doesn't mean that if we've ever went to war or supported a war or been a part of a war that we can't love God because we hate somebody. That's not what this says. And I don't want anybody to have the opportunity to walk out of here with that mindset. I want you to see in the very same letter that Paul has written to the Romans where he says the things we just talked about, about love, he also says this, If possible. What does it mean if it says, If possible. If possible. It may not be possible, right? If possible, so far as it depends on you. If possible, sometimes Mark, it may not be possible to be peace, love, and funny looking cigarettes. Some people make it impossible. But as much as depends on you. See, this isn't about how other people act. This is about you and you alone. Sometimes they make it impossible to live peaceably with them. Now that doesn't mean you don't love them. This is a hard thing. And it, it's very hard, and I'm, I'm trying to teach it at my house right now. It's very hard to try to to try to learn how to love somebody and then do the next thing on this list. Abhor or hate Evil. Now, I've got to no doubt love folks. And no doubt, love is an action word. It's not a feeling. Love is an action word. So I've got to figure out how to tr- keep these true marks of a Christian visible in my life. Number one, I've got to let love be genuine. And we've discussed that. Who does that mean and how, and how does that apply? And then number two, to hate evil. Who determines what evil is? God does. This isn't based on what I think is right and wrong. This is based on what Scripture says is right and wrong. Period. If the Scripture says it's right, if God says it's right, it's right, if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. It don't matter how the majority votes. It doesn't matter about popular opinion. But the trick here is to hate the evil and love the people. Because what part of evil doesn't involve people? <laughs> Man, it's tricky. And let me tell you something. People going to test you on this when they figure out you're a Christian. And especially when you stand up against something that you have deemed, according to Scripture, is evil in this world. They're coming for you. And it makes you dread things about life and it makes you not look forward to things that should be exciting for you because you know what's there and you know what's waiting on you and you know as hard as you try to love people and stand against evil, they're going to push you and they're going to push you and they're going to push you and they're going to do everything they can to see you fold. Whether it's to lash out and be evil or it's to give in and support their evil. That's what they're pushing for. That's what they want to see out of you. And you can express to them a thousand times, I love you, I have no problem with you, but I can't support that lifestyle. I can't support what you're doing. Well, you must not love me because that's not possible. Yes, it is. But remember, the carnal mind cannot understand spiritual things. So you can explain it however you want to explain it. They ain't going to get it. The key to all of this is you are responsible for you. You've got to figure out how to love people and do number two on the list, hate evil, abhor evil. Has anybody seen any evil in the society that we live in? (laughs) It's rampant, right? It's it's rampant. It's absolutely rampant. And what happens is we get sucked into these things. Listen, I've said this a thousand times already and this ain't to bash nobody else, but there was a large... One of the three major denominations of Christianity that had to take a vote to decide if it was okay to accept gay marriage or not. Why did we have to vote on that? God's against it. Where does God's people stand? We have to call it evil. Does that mean we hate all those people in that lifestyle? No, we have to love those people. You see where the line gets thin? You see where the where it gets tough? Now listen, let's remove the evil side of it and let's just focus on loving the people. That's hard enough by itself. I just told you how I can't get along with people that don't know how to drive. Right? I was on my lawnmower yesterday and just as a sidebar note, the worst place in the world for me. I hate it. I'd rather take a beating to cut grass. When I get on a lawnmower, my goal is to get off that thing as quick as possible. That's my—I don't care what it looks like, I don't care how clumped up and wadded. I don't make me no difference. Y'all can judge me if you want to, but if you ride by my house and the grass has been cut, Nick is happy. It don't matter what it I, as long as it ain't this high. That's good enough for me. I cut it wet in the rain. I don't care. Just cut it and it just blowing out the side there. Big old clumps and wads coming out and it strode from one end of the yard. To, and I ain't hiding it in the backyard. The front looks the same way, Ronnie. I don't care. <laughs> so y'all can judge me if you want to, but I'm telling you, that lawnmower is the worst thing. I hate them. Th- I hate it. It's a waste of time. I'd rather be like Phil Robertson and just let her grow up. It'll die this winter. Who cares, right? But y'all be mad in there, but my wife wouldn't be happy with that. So I had to cut it, but let me tell you, I ain't happy about it. So I'm out there and I'm mad because I'm on this lawnmower yesterday and I'm riding around and it's the most thoughtless, useless process in the whole world. And some of y'all got grass, looks like you got out there and combed it. Man, I'm so glad y'all got that. And I'm even more glad you either got the time or the money to make that happen. But if it was up to me, I'd concrete that dude and paint it green so it looked good to the airplanes. I don't care about everybody else. Right? Right? Listen, I'm out here on this lawnmower riding around. I mean, thoughtly. You ain't got to think about it. I mean, it's just... Just spitting out and choking up and old big wads. And I'm going, there's so many other things I could be doing with my time. God said, I've got one. Let's, let's go to this message I've got for you tomorrow. So that's where I was at when the majority of this stuff come, come to me and come to my mind. And, it, and, it, and, it, and I got to thinking about and dwelling on having to love people regardless of how they behave, but yet having to hate evil and, and be rejectful of that evil. And, and my mind just got to spinning trying to figure out that balance. And let me tell you something, that's a tough place to be. It's a tough situation to have because I struggle with loving people. If you give me half an excuse not to love you... <laughs> I was already struggling to love you to start with because you don't know how to drive or you comb your grass or whatever reason it is I thought of today not to like you, right? But I'm instructed by... And the Scripture says that I, there, it is not possible to love God and hate. It's not, it can't happen. So I've got to find a way to love people so that I can prove my love for God. Because it don't exist if I hate folks, right? And my mind's just above the noise of just my mind spinning, like the blades on that mower. It's just spinning to the point I almost got dizzy and run over myself and stuff, right? Because I mean it's a hard place to be. It's a tough place to. It's a So what we've got to do, you and I, because what we don't want to do, this isn't the first time I've read this and I'm still in the same place or I'm not mastered it. So if I expect to advance in this area of Christianity in my life and take this step in my spiritual walk, I've got to find some way to make that happen. Where I'm able to love genuinely, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Love is, is, is an action word. It requires me to move and to do something. If you go through this list, you'll see a lot of action. He talks about being hospitable. Looking for opportunities to, to, to serve people. Look, looking for opportunities to do something for somebody. It talks about putting the honor on somebody else. Outdo it. Compete at it honoring each other? When was the last time you seen two people going at it trying to outdo honoring each other? Building the other person up bigger than themselves? See, that's not going to be possible if you're not capable of loving somebody with genuine love, right? It's not going to be possible for you to give your enemy food and drink, which is at the bottom of this list, if you ain't able to genuinely love somebody Now don't forget that genuinely loving somebody don't mean you just pat them on the back and tell them everything's great and go along with everything they do. Sometimes genuinely loving somebody is setting them down and telling them they're wrong. How's that going to go? No, not normally. Normally they don't want to hear that. Right? The truth is the last thing they're looking for. (coughs) This genuine love thing is, is, I'm telling y'all, it's the basis of it all. It's hard to wear the other marks of this true Christian if you can't genuinely love somebody. And not just somebody, but everybody. And I mean genuinely love them and then hate the evil. Man. Man, that's tough. Because what do you do to the things that you hate? You want to see it destroyed, right? You want to see it tore down. You want to see it removed, Right? But at the same time, love that person, that individual. My goodness. My goodness, you see how this all can, can be so tough? But it's doable. It's possible. And I want to tell you something. The love that this Bible describes, the love that we've seen in Corinthians, the agape love, does not come natural to any one of you, or me, or anybody else. There's only one source of that love. And that's Christ Himself. That's it. That's it. That's the only source of it. So the number one thing to being able to love people and hate evil is to be connected with Christ. Now this list goes on, I mean, it it gets on down here. There's no way we're getting through it, not even an ounce of a chance. But I want to read through some of this and just kind of hit the highlights. And I want to show you that the, the reason I want to do that is I want to show you that It's impossible to go on with this list if you don't stop and conquer, number one. That genuine love thing has got to be there. Now, genuine love don't mean I sit on the side and pat you on the back and tell you what a good job you're doing. Sometimes it's get in your face and go, hey, you can't do that. (laughs) That's not allowed. Sometimes I have to stand on the hard thing and just point at you and go, no. No, we're not doing that. Sometimes I do that to Montana. I just go, no, no, it's not happening. No, we're not, we're just not doing that. And it's not because I despise her or I want to hold her back. It's because I love her enough to just get in her face and tell her the truth. Sometimes that's required. And that don't always feel like love when you want on the receiving end, right? But sometimes it's necessary. Some, we just got into, just got, well, we're getting to the end of. Paul's journey in the book of Acts in Sunday school. And today we read about the shipwreck. And they've been in a storm for 14 days. The ship's been in a storm. The whole crew, 276 people counting crew and prisoners, they, they've thrown everything off. They, they've lost all hope at this point. They, they've thrown the tackle off. There ain't, there ain't, I mean, they have cut the anchors loose. They've cut the strings going to the rudders. They can't even steer this thing. They've shot the, 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 the um, sail up in the air to catch wind, and they're shooting for a beach. Paul has done told them, if you'll stay on this boat, nobody dies. God told me that. 276 people, y'all all going to live. We're going to lose the boat, we're all going to live. Well, this, they, they've been praying all night for the sun to shine. Man, it's been 14 days. They couldn't see nothing. Finally, it gets daylight, and the storm's not gone, but at least they can see the beach. They see this bay and this beach, and they go, we're fixing to hit that beach right there. So they, they cut the anchors loose. Now how does that tell you they felt about getting back on that boat? They cut the anchors loose. They didn't just pull them up. They dropped them in the sea. Cut the anchors, cut the ropes that tied the rudder so they could guide. They, they out. And they're going to this beach and they had a reef. And the Bible says that the bow of the boat was stuck in the reef. It was stuck. And the storm was tearing out the stern, which is the back of the boat. So the front of the boat is stuck. These guys have got their eyes on this beach, and the storm is literally ripping the boat to shreds. The soldiers on the boat come up with a plan. You know what their plan is? Kill all the prisoners. Because <laughs> if any of them get away, it's our lives. They're our responsibility. This centurion stamps in and goes, no. no, don't kill the prisoners, because he wanted to save Paul. Don't kill the prisoners. Whatever you do, don't kill the prisoners. As a matter of fact, those of you that can swim, jump off and swim. Those of you that can't, grab a plank. We're fixing to invent surfing. And they rode their surfboards to the beach. Fourteen days in a storm. And you know what the love of God did? Shipwrecked them on a reef. Does that feel like love when you're in a shipwreck? You know, sometimes that's what it feels like when somebody's loving on us. We can see the beach. If you just let me get to that beach and they're standing in front of you going, no, you're shipwrecked. Think about that. Think about that. So love doesn't always mean to just sit back and let it go. Sometimes love means the shipwreck. Because that's the best thing for them in that time. Oh, it's been 14 days in a storm. A shipwreck ain't going to kill him. You know, Paul gets off the boat and goes down there and gets bit by a snake. Probably the most venomous snake in the world because it says that the native people were sitting and watching. You know what they were expecting? To see him swell up and die. As a matter of fact, when he pulled his hand out from under the the wood and the snake was latched on, they said, this guy must be a murderer. He survived that shipwreck. He's going to die from a snake bite. He shook the snake off they sat around and it said they waited for a long while for him to swell up and die. And through all of that, he didn't die. You know what they said? Not a murderer, must be a god. But see, sometimes when you're in that shipwreck and, and you, you can see the beach and you think it's over and you get there and you get snake bit of all things, then people think you're a God. And they start bringing all the sick people. The, the chief of the island had a father who was sick, sick, sick. They brought him, and, and Paul healed him. God healed him through Paul. When everybody's seen this, everybody on the island brings every kind of disease and illness they got to Paul. They all get healed. Did Paul know those individuals? I mean, they just thought he was a god, so does that lead you to believe that he's a Christian, and those people are Christian in any way? No. So Paul probably disagreed with some of the evil in their life, right? But what did the love of God cause him to do? Right. Right. See, that's, that's kind of what it looks like. Sometimes a shipwreck is what somebody needs. It don't look like love and feel like love at the time, but it's a necessary thing. And then on the other side of that, looking at it from the other way, trying to hate that evil and love that person. See, love drives us to just do the right thing. Whatever the right thing is, you just do that regardless of the circumstance. Sometimes that means you've got to heal the people that don't even know that you're not a god. <laughs> Sometimes that means you've got to be that guy whose father was healed. A little background showed us that he became a Christian because of this event, most likely because of this event. And that island, which is called Malta, eventually became the first Christian nation in the Western Hemisphere. No accident. They didn't accidentally land on that island. See, this is God's control, God's sovereignty. That's why it's so important that we love the way He says to love. That we put it out there the way He says to put it out there. And at the same time, find a way to hate the evil that exists in this world. And sometimes, most of the time, that evil is displayed through people. Now you've got to be able to separate the evil of actions from the person... And love one and hate the other. If you already know that you ain't good at this. If you already know that you got the same struggle I done described this morning. You don't like people that can't drive either. Listen, don't just let it be that way and go out here and never change anything. If you want a different result, you've got to do something different. you got to find what that different thing is. I found it for me riding around on that useless lawnmower yesterday. God gave me a plan out there cutting dead gum grass. But at least i got a plan out of it, right? I'm going to use that as another example too. If our goal is to come here and be changed, that's a great thing. But you coming here and your goal being going to church is like my goal being cutting the grass. Because when it's cut, I'm done. I don't give a rip what it looks like. I cut it. Amanda comes in and goes, that looks horrible. (laughs) Yes, ma'am, but it's cut. (laughs) Right? And that's the way it is for you if your goal is to come to church. You come in the door, congratulations. Right? But when your goal is to be changed by the Word of God, now you've got more work to do afterwards. Like if my goal was to make my yard look like your yard, it looked like you combed it, I'd be out there combing it. I ain't going to be, because that ain't my goal. But there'd be work to be done after the cutting. There ain't no work to be done. It's cut. That's all I care. It's cut. It's done. You've got to make sure that you're trying to achieve something. And what you're trying to achieve drives you to make the proper changes to become what the Scripture says we ought to be as Christian people. So whatever it is, as you stare into this Word and you look into it and try to figure out what don't line up, instead of trying to reread it or find it somewhere else where it don't say it that way. Let's make adjustments to self. Find those things and get started. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on um, and, and, and uh, lead us in worship as we, we close out this morning. I encourage you, each one of you, to self-evaluate. And if you see something that needs to be adjusted, figure out a way to adjust. Get in this altar. Ask God to guide you. Ask God to show you My plan didn't come from me. It comes from God and His guidance. I encourage you to do that this morning. And if God gives you a plan, go get busy with it. Go get started on it. Don't keep lingering around.